Welcome back to the Architecture Firm Marketing Podcast. I'm Dave Sharp, Marketing Consultant for Architects. And in this episode, I'm joined by Anthony Martin, the director of MRTN Architects, a small residential firm based in Melbourne, Australia. MRTN do absolutely beautiful work. Whether their site is an extension in the city or a new house on the coast or in the bush, uh, they're just absolutely crushing it at the moment. And they've also found a lot of marketing success. For a practice that doesn't look like they do a lot of marketing, their latest projects get featured in most or all of the national architecture publications and they've built a thriving social media audience that's about to pass 15,000 followers. So this interview was a great opportunity to understand the thinking that Anthony puts into his marketing from day one as he's grown the practice. So he shares his perspective on the importance of thinking about the journey that a client actually goes on from first deciding that they need to build a new home to ultimately working with an architect. Um, He also talks about the important role that photographers play in promoting his practice and we discuss Instagram and we also talk about his latest project which is a series of essays that will help him connect with new clients. So there's a lot to get through. I hope you enjoy my conversation with Anthony from MRTN. How are you going? I'm going really well, Dave. Thanks very much for having us along. I'm not no, no sure problem. if I've got uh, much words of wisdom, but maybe it's a, it's a lesson on <laughs> what not to do. For the Architecture Firm Marketing Podcast. No, I completely disagree <laughs> because you're, you managed to have um, built a very, very well-known architecture practice from a person who doesn't consider yourself much of a marketer at all. But I see all the sort of subtle marketing moves you're making. So I think that's what we want to kind of find out more about. Um, but you were, you were mentioning before we jumped on the call that you were finding the start of this new year quite quite busy. Um, yeah. How 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 is how are things out there for kind of smaller residential practices in Melbourne at the moment? I mean, I can really only speak for myself. I think I haven't mm. had the chance to catch up with many people yet, but I think it's pretty common. Um, and that what a lot of people have found is that people have spent a lot more time at home. And are starting to, you know, think about their homes differently, and maybe more time to go. Well, we should perhaps start thinking about that job we were going to do, or even movements in real estate have actually been happening. So, you know, at the beginning of last year, there was a bit of a freak out, and you know, we had a couple of jobs go on hold. But after that, everyone was like, "No, let's keep going." Um, and then, you know, pretty steadily, new, new inquiries have been coming through so it's very reassuring at the moment i just sort of feel like yeah at least the next six months are planned out and yeah. that's it's just a lucky place to be in if you're really fortunate yeah. so you're feeling a little bit more confident and when those leads are coming in you mentioned that you were getting the impression that it's because people maybe are starting to become a bit more appreciative of the importance of their home and where they live is that something that you're directly hearing in those initial conversations with new clients when they're speaking to you yeah, absolutely, absolutely. I mean, I think there's been a bit of a surprising amount of real estate movement as well. Like yeah. People have been buying places. So there must mm. be a bit of opportunism that's gone on, um, yep. which I applaud. That's good. But definitely those initial conversations are more about, well, now we're going to be working from home or that can think of people thinking about their homes in, mm. in quite different ways, which has been great because that's what we've been sort of advocating in a, a lot of our work, you know, in all our houses, we try and discuss very long-term strategies and different living type arrangements and how things might change. So it's almost like now 
people are like nodding a bit more, you know, intuitively into those things that we're saying because they're like, yeah, they've seen it happen in the past year. So it's, it's interesting. It's good. With, with, I'm always interested when there's a bit of a swell of new inquiries, kind of, are they different? Are they like a new breed of client after events like this? Is um, are, are you getting surprised by some of those some of those um, conversations that you're having? But I think the main the main thing I'm kind of interested in is um, how how long do you think that these clients have been aware of your practice for before they've contacted you? Is it something where you're feeling because you're mentioning these property moves and sometimes that makes people act on things quite quickly and quite spur of the moment? Are you getting a sense that? people are being a bit more spontaneous than they would have been in the past? Or is it the same sort of thing where they're kind of familiar with your work and it's this sort of ongoing appreciation that's been developing over time? I mean, I guess you're always trying to pick apart those yeah. <laughs> trends and trends to see, you know, what you could do better or differently or how, um, how projects are coming to you now relates to how you can get future projects right so that's often part of the thinking and definitely you know like i ask people where it's come from and and how they've thought of us so obviously there's you know they referred to somebody or passed in the street you can't control that at all mm -hmm. that's a sort of a random encounter but uh there is a couple of trends that i think come through <clears throat> one is that you know the one you have a wider body of work of different types of projects then people do uh, remember them, right? So if, if, if they start to do a particular type of project, they can refer to a project of yours. They seem to remember it, be able to go back to it and then bring it forward. Or else there's a sort of a random coincidence that occurs and then they're like, oh yes, that's right. You know, we'd, we'd seen your project that, you know, a couple of years ago. And, and it does go back to a couple of years. Like we still get people referring to the Fairfield Hacienda project, which was one of our first projects. Um, but just recently I've been noticing there's a few people that have come through on the mid-century modern enthusiasts, mm. you know, and not, they don't have mid-century modern houses to renovate. There's a few that, that do, but they just, they like that aesthetic or they like those type of projects. And I, that's related, I think, to our mid-century modern Frankston project, which mm. really we sort of marketed, uh, sort of in two bursts, actually. It's got, that was kind of interesting um a year ago and two years ago mm. so that would seem to be a time frame when people have been familiar with the project and then it's come to their when they are ready to do their projects yeah but they're now doing it yeah that's fascinating because there's this bit of an there's a bit of a news cycle a social media cycle and a news cycle that applies to architecture as well and you know so many projects coming out on a daily basis it, it sort yeah. of makes you wonder how somebody could be discovering a project that's two years old in today's environment, wherever they're getting their information about architecture from. Is it the magazine yeah. on the coffee table at the dentist clinic at the, in the waiting room or is it, <laughs> <laughs> or are they like well, going down your Instagram feed, scrolling down 150 posts? I mean, how, how do you, how do you think, obviously it's, it's, it's a major benefit to you that they, that they are still remembering these earlier projects. Yeah. Could it just be that these, these clients of yours just have fantastic, incredible memories and they're just holding on to these things for a long time. Yeah, maybe it's just aesthetic memory, architects type memories. Yeah. Um, interestingly, that project hasn't been imprinted at all. Yeah. So, um, actually no, I lied. That was in the local project was in the interiors yeah. one. So possibly from that, um, give a, give, the strategy that we actually use for that project 
which I was hesitant about, but I think worked quite well, is that when the project was finished, it was, it was beautifully finished, but there was a landscape that went in that obviously took about a year to kick in. Yeah. So we actually decided, I, I got it photographed just the interiors and instructed the photographer they couldn't take any exteriors at all. So that was it. And so yeah. then I got a sort of a social media and, and sort of marketing push just of the interiors, which came mm. over great. And then one year later, I then got Derek to photograph the whole project. So yeah. then I sort of got the two bites of a cherry. And so I was I was hesitant because I thought that, you know, that maybe everyone it was a bit saturated, but it seemed to actually get a second life, which worked quite well. Oh, so that's excellent. That was, I, I just put out an interview with Anthony Richardson from the Design Emotive uh, Instagram oh, yeah. account and YouTube YouTube channel, and he was uh, he was suggesting, particularly on this issue of how long it takes for landscapes to establish themselves, yeah. he was he was a strong advocate for doing exactly what you just suggested, starting oh, yeah. with the interiors and then coming back for the exteriors, because you're just you're really you're really missing out if you postpone the whole thing for you know, 12 months. Um, so, so I was actually going to ask, cause you did mention we had sort of two, we re-released the project a year later. So that's what you're referring to. You didn't sort of treat the original photos as new, new again. Was it sort of a separate release? These are the exteriors, yeah. those were the interiors, or did you say, Hey, it's the interiors again. And just sort of, yeah. Yeah. I just totally did it because I didn't when, so uh, Dave Gliska, he just photographed the interiors the first time and then Derek did exteriors and yep. interiors. So not only was I able to sort of do the whole thing over again, completely different photos. And, and, and it was that sort of interesting thing, like you often wonder how different photographers see the same project. Like it was actually great to see two different sets of photographs of the interiors and, and they did read quite differently. So yeah. I think it was still relatively fresh, you know, for what the how the interiors came across. When when you must have been dealing with a bit of a problem when you just had the interiors, in terms of planning out how you were going to pitch the project to publications and, and magazines, right? They they have, I guess, a preference for full projects where they can see the interior and the exterior. Were you limited in any way in terms of what you could do with that initial? When it, so we've got social media and then in terms of media, media, did you wait until you had all the photos before you put the rest of the project out? Yeah, so, I mean, that, that I think you do handicap yourself a little bit with that. So initially, I had uh, worked with the local project. So Aiden, you know, over there, they're really great, those guys. I really like working with them. So they had taken on just the interiors and they said they would market that, you know, put that forward and possibly put it into print as well, which they did. Um, but then I think that that second time round, you're not really going to get it printed again because the mm. print publications, uh, they do have the thing, well, everyone's kind of seen this already, so they're not yeah. so keen on it. So that was kind of like a, a calculated risk, I guess. Um, yeah. I was okay with that. Yeah. I, I, I want to kind of jump over to photography a bit because you did bring it up and, and I think that's something that really differentiates you from a lot of other firms that are similar size or, or in the same sort of market, which is like you scroll down your Instagram feed and it's just a who's who of big hitting architectural <laughs> photographers from project to project. Yeah. Derek Sauer, yeah. Tatiana Plitt, Peter Bennett, Shannon McGrath, Simon Wilson, Nick Randlis. It's just like you've just got the uh, 
it's like the Academy Awards of Australian architectural photographers going, going down yeah. your list. And you mentioned you like to sort of mix it up and create a little bit of variety in the photographers that you work with. So talk, I guess talk me through that, why, you know, obviously you're making some pretty substantial, um, you're putting some substantial resources and effort and love into the photographers that you're working with. You're working with amazing photographers. So, so talk me through your thought process around photography and shooting your projects and picking photographers. I'm just fascinated to sort of see what, yeah. see what your, what your approach is. Okay. So I, I think it's twofold. Um, so one is there is, um, I think there's a suitability of particular photographers to projects, right? So you can see like, you know, Peter Bennett's, you know, he, he's an amazing, very experienced photographer and he's really good when you're sort of getting people in and, and, and the way he works through a project's really great. Uh, Tatiana's like beautiful interior shots of the light is fantastic. So they, they all kind of have um, mm. strengths that I think that are quite yeah. clear in their photography. Um, so sometimes I sort of pick from uh, a photographer based on the project. So when we got Derek to redo Frankston mid-century, there was that kind of thought that he'd done a lot of that uh, Los Angeles photography. Yeah, right, okay. And there was the Los Angeles mid-century modern narrative that we brought into that project. So I thought it'd be quite interesting to pair the experience he had with those types of projects into, into ours. Um, so that's part of it, but that's not the whole part, whole story. It's just that thing of, I, I do find photo shoots really stressful. <laughs> so there's yeah. always a guaranteed sleepless night beforehand. But also, you know, it's our kind of, it's our last bit with the project. Often it's, you know, it's the sort of last time that you get to spend a bit, bit of time there. In fact, often it's the only time you get to spend a whole day there. So I like that kind of, um, I was going to say, to make a bit of a hobby of it. That's not really the right kind of term. I like to sort of create an experience around the photo shoot itself. And part of that is, is just working with different photographers, you know, just sort of seeing how they come to it, how, what, how they approach the project, how they interact with you, how they frame a shot, or all those sorts of things. So, you know, I, I'm sure there's, there's a benefit to just working with a single photographer and getting to understand each other. Um, but I do quite like the variety that's created through different photographers. Mm. Um, so you do it for your own entertainment exactly <laughs> like, it's all about me i like to i like to mingle and network with with all yeah. my favorite photographers that i follow on instagram exactly. so every new project is an opportunity to, to meet one of them fantastic yeah that's that's it. great i think also um I'm a, because every photographer has their specific sort of way that they frame and shoot a project I'm a little hesitant to have all the projects looking as if they're shot through the same lens as well. Yeah. And, and that's just sort of a, a gut reaction, I guess, to what, uh, how I think the project should come across. Not really any particular um, marketing sensibility. I think, mm. Well, it's quite interesting because I think like if you're going to be kind of academic about the marketing side, you might, you might assume that consistency is going to be beneficial mm. so having that one photographer do everything in a similar similar style it starts to become part of your brand identity but what's kind of interesting about your account is that you know you don't get that sense of it being chaos of all these different styles and looks and everything it's like um your photographers have managed to keep it 
very consistent. I mean, it, does that just happen on its own or is that it, it's just an accident? What sort of, you know, how do, how do you, how do you find your portfolio looks when you look through it? Do you think oh, I can, that's sticking out to me as a Derek photo, that's a Shannon photo, or are you like kind of, they all just feel natural. They feel together like a family at this point. No, I do. I do perceive differences. There's like these kind of groups of photographers, I think, you know, mm. and their styles. And it's particularly to do with uh, how, how, well, that difference. That, I find there's a big difference between how photographers shoot interiors and then the exteriors, right? And that yeah. it's, it's, there's a, there's a difference. Like, I find that the good interior photographers are not necessarily so strong on exteriors uh, and vice versa. So, Yes, that, that comes into it, and also there's I quite enjoy the difference between the photographers that really spend a lot of time framing a shot, you know, and bracketing it, and and then uh, a lot of uh, post production to it, versus the other photographers that are uh, work a bit quicker, you know, and mm -hmm. and move around and get a lot more shots. Yeah, and and I'm not saying I prefer one over the other. I just appreciate the differences between the two. Yeah, that's interesting. Do you think, so there's a good connection there. So you've got, Derek's got, for example, um, that 50s, that 50 series that he has done, that modernism classic stuff is an awesome project he's been working on. You pair him up with your kind of modernist project and then you end up attracting these modernist, you know, sycophant clients <laughs> who absolutely yeah. love it, these enthusiasts. Um, is there any, is there any possibility that, that person could have even potentially come through Derek's audience, you know, through potentially through social media to you. Is there like, do, do yeah. you sort of, do you find, or, you know, think a bit about the, the, the kind of the promotional benefit of working with Instagram photographers. I say Instagram photographers, photographers who have Instagram accounts, who if we added up their audiences, we're probably looking at, you know, a million followers here collectively as a group. Um, do you find that in, as far as growing your social media audience, it's quite it's quite beneficial the the that investment of who you're working with it helps you along. I actually I, I sort of have a, a, an expectation that with the photographers that I use that a they're going to promote the photos they've done for me through their social media so mm. I would expect them to do that um, and I also would hope that they often have very good connections to um, print and other media. Yep. And they will often offer to, you know, make a connection as well. So that that's important that, that photographers yeah. bring that to it as well. They, so they, that's a really big value add that a really mm -hmm. experienced architectural photographer can bring and particularly one that's well known and has a good reputation, right? Versus somebody who might be proficient at taking photos, maybe even proficient at taking architectural photos, but they, they don't have that extra uh, layer necessarily that you benefit from. Absolutely. I mean, and they, and you really want a photographer that's really um, imbued in that world, you know, they, mm. but, but they're not sort of um, architectural product people, you know, advertising photographers that so they're really sort of architecture, you know, yeah. archie nerd uh, photographers. Yeah. So. That's actually interesting. That the are you afraid of the archie nerds? You you don't you're happy. <laughs> you don't mind. You're not you're not going. I'm. Um, uh, you know I need it. There's a bigger world out there than the archie nerds. You do you find that's an audience that you don't sort of shy away from? Going like you know this is really this is architecture for people who love architecture, shot by people who love architecture, published by publications that love architecture. It's all just that. And and is that something that you're 
you know, what are your, what are your feelings towards that? Because some architects are a little bit, you know, uh, I don't really want to just, you know, go on the, in the, in the vacuum chamber with the other architects. I want to be thinking about the bigger picture, but do you think it really works that way or is it, you know, what's your sort of thought? Yeah, so we, we, are you referring to like the sort of the Instagram enthusiasts that are like, yeah, I mean, along, you know, that, that the, kind arch- of the... the architecture people, um, <laughs> <there's>... <laughs> no, the architects or just the fans, the architects. The... Um, yeah, no, look, I'm not necessarily making a distinction, but there's this, uh, <laughs> <laughs> sometimes the architects and the architecture Ooh. fans are, you know, they're, they're a very similar group of people, but, but there is often sort of this, um, I guess in the approach to media, social media, photography, marketing, whatever, I, I do hear from a lot of architects who say like, look, there's this whole architecture thing going on and I don't, I'm, I'm more interested in the general public, right? Whatever that means. Okay. So the people that don't, are not sort of following the architecture crowd, they're not, they're not influenced by what's kind of going on in architecture. Whereas you, you say, you seem to uh, really approach it like, no, I like the magazines. I like the really good architecture websites. I, I look up to and respect the prominent architectural photographers. So there's this, you know, you, you tend to lean more that way. So do you have any kind of, I guess, point of view on as far as getting your work out to people who aren't just other architects or architecture students? Do you think it, are you able to debunk the idea that it's impossible to do that while concentrating on the architecture media and the architecture world? Like there are still potential clients in there, right? And ordinary people, wouldn't you agree? Yeah, I, I guess I haven't thought about it like that too much, but I, th- I think sort of just how, uh, how it works when I'm putting forward projects is that I tend to just, I'm, I'm, my imagined audience really is fellow architects and like it probably Ooh, shouldn't controversial. be. Controversial. should be. Okay, <laughs> that's why I'm asking. I think that was, I think that would be putting it right to the pointy bit going, do you yeah. shy away from thinking about the fact that you're promoting your work in a way that is just absolutely tantalizing to other architects versus yeah. thinking just about, you know, Tom and Sally sitting on the couch at home doing whatever in the, in the, in the broader market. Right. So, so that is so interesting. So talk, talk to me a little bit about that. You're not, yeah. you're not scared of so the other I, architects. No, I, cause I, and one thing is like, I really love the cohort of architects that we're involved with. Like I, I really enjoy the collegiate aspect to it. Yeah. And I really love seeing other people's work and it really sticks with me. Like, and, and I love that by having my own practice, I'm part of that conversation, right? That's an yeah. amazing thing to be part of. So I think that when um, my sort of imagined audience, I think that probably is a lot of other architects and that's what I'm, I'm sharing projects with. But thinking about it, part of that too is you're not talking down to Tom and Sally on the couch at home, right? Yeah. You're speaking to those uh, potential clients or just enthusiasts as if they're also, you know, a fellow architect, you know, or yeah. architecturally interested and and sort of can engage with these sort of ideas and the concepts and the broader intentions of projects and all those kind of things. So yeah. there's probably, you know, a little bit of a, a benefit. Well, there's probably a, a side part of editing the communication in that way and that you uh, keep it at a, at a pretty high level of conversation rather than bringing it, bring it down. Well, that's so interesting because, I mean, that's such a strong argument for why it's actually good to imagine your imagined audience and the way you put it that way, being other architects mm-hmm. for that very reason. It kind of keeps you 
from condescending, right? <laughs> or assuming assuming an audience that has no interest in architecture, which could be a big mistake when your ultimate goal is, hey, I want to work with people who are interested in architecture. Yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. and, and yeah, I think that's, in, in that's thinking about that. your practice, that's who I imagine your clients are, people that uh, have at some level a, an interest, a passion, that I'm imagining what their library looks like, what their bookshelf looks like. And I'm thinking I'm going to be seeing some good architecture books there. Would that be kind of generally the right kind of, and, and part of that's because of the way that you possibly you communicate and put your message and your projects out there and you direct it towards people who share your, share your thinking about architecture. I think you couldn't be more wrong. Really? Yeah. Whoa. Yeah. I Flipping it around. Okay. Um... <laughs> okay. Talk, talk me through that because that's yeah. really, really interesting. And I'm happy to be wrong. So I, I've got that no. kind of assumption there, but. That's right. So can we need to break I've apart been this idea? It, I've been thinking about that a bit recently, you know, like I've, not to stereotype, but if you are to categorize the clients and put them into different sections. And I think that, I think there probably is that perception, especially when you get that architectural photography and, you know, everything's all cleared out and neat. There is that, and I'm a little bit um, hesitant about it, there is that sort of look that all, all the clients must be very design savvy, subscribe to all the mm. magazines and, you know, know all the different terminology. Um, and, yeah, while we've got a couple of clients that are like that, you know, the Frankston mid-century clients were just a amazingly well you know intuitive and well educated on it 75 percent i would say uh are not you know like mm. they're sort of enough to have a passing interest but not they don't have the coffee table books of architecture no, right okay but i guess it's that thing of uh, you know when you go to buy a new sofa and you go around and have a look at some showrooms and very quickly you get pretty conversant about a foam and a foam cushion with duck leather, duck um, feathers on it and the leather and fabric. Like, yeah. I guess there's that quick sort of assembling of information that you need to get when you're going to get an, uh, engage an architect. And then for most clients, there's that bit of relief actually about, okay, now we pass the project over to you. You know, and 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 you take us on the journey. You, you continue our education uh, rather than us just randomly acquiring things as we go forward. And and I think the other the part of that is you know we're we are big believers of that sort of architecture is for everybody. You know that yep. most of our clients have a very practical need. They don't have a published in a glossy magazine need. They have a need to change their living arrangements or for a new house and they need an architect to get that built. So we're, we're satisfying that need. We're not satisfying a need of people saying, we'd like to have a house that wins an award and gets published. Yeah. So that, that really comes up. That's so interesting. And I'm, I'm just sort of, the, the part that, that makes me kind of wonder is just, you know, so they are people that they're not, you know, they're not the coffee table book types. They are kind of, they're getting a, they're getting a bit of a crash course when they go into that kind of consideration mm. stage and they're thinking, okay, let's just see which architects are out there. They're mm. quickly piecing together everything from different places. My question is how they end up finding such a good architecture firm. <laughs> it's kind of like, how do they, how do they end up picking your practice? Like, how are they that good at it as beginners is my thing. So that's where I start assuming, oh, they must be, you know, 
turtlenecks and coffee table books and you know, <laughs> yeah. members of the Boyd <laughs> Society and everything and volunteer yeah. art galleries, but but they're not those people. They're, they're normal people. They have a practical need and they come to you. And that's that must be interesting, particularly as you obviously start your practice and word of mouth is more important. But then I guess over time, uh, the media is more important. The social media is more important in maybe not more mm. important, but it, it, it becomes another piece. So I guess where are these clients, how are they determining or ending up with you? I mean, it must be saying that you're kind of thinking about and trying to reverse engineer because they don't necessarily tell you yeah. that. But it's just interesting to me how they end up making such a good call. They must be very pleased Gosh. with themselves. <laughs> I, I don't think so. I think it's, um, you know, I, you, of course, I put some thought into this. I think the hardest category to get traction on in terms of bringing people to you is the category that we do that architects traditionally do the most work in and that's mm. in housing alterations and additions right mm. so that is like if we've had pro that project type out there it's very hard to get people coming based on what they've seen of that project now i think there's a few things about that one is possibly there's so much of it out there Mm. Secondly, I think people find it hard to make that leap of seeing a project of somebody else's whole housing alts and ads and then seeing how it would translate to their own particular right. place. So it's hard for them to sort of make the sort of direct A to B to C connection. Where we've had the most luck is uh, with types of projects that are more easily translatable. So... Hmm. The Trentham Longhouse is a classic example. So this long house yeah. it's on a flat section uh, in a recent subdivision. Yeah. So people buying a flat piece of grass yeah. can really picture that house. <laughs> they go, hey, that, the looks, that looks like our flat piece of grass. That's what we want. Okay, yeah, that's exactly. what we want. <laughs> and I can imagine a long house like that. So yeah. we get projects, you know, from that. They don't end up with a long house, but that's the connection that they can they can make. So, and then that's happened with, you know, coastal places and country places. Um, and then that probably why that's happening with the Frankston project, because it's been marketed as a mid-century project rather than an alts and ads project, which mm. would have been harder to get the traction. With the, yeah. I think. So that's, that, that, that's, that's what I think it is about. It's, it's about making connections from people to the types of projects that you're doing. And the types of projects that they want to do yeah so any project we do that's that's a lot what i put a lot of thought into uh what type of project is this not not it's a new house it's not an ad but what is the particular thing of it and often things like uh you know obviously names can help like that so frankston mid-century there's no accident yeah um locations really help you know yeah. so if you put in a geographical location that does tend to draw people to it as well. Um, those, you know, uh, the Good Life House is marketed very much as a suburban house. Yeah. That, that kind of, those kind of connections. You're blowing my mind. You're doing like <laughs> architectural SEO, <laughs> trying to work out what's, what's the keyword here? Exactly. What's the exactly. niche? Exactly, what's the keyword? Frankston yeah. Modern what's... is like we're, we're trying to carve out a little gap in the market with a with a concept yeah. with a uh with 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 even just as you mentioned maybe just a name maybe just a an element you know 
Do you, that's so that's very very interesting. Not many. I'll give, uh, I'll give you two, two two examples. Yeah, please do. I've dealt with in the past couple of weeks, right? So again, from that project, because that's, that's like I said, that's just what I'm finding is that the effect of that project is starting to show up now. One project, a new house in Northcote, and the client, when he was a kid, I think, or in his twenties, lived in an Eichler house in uh, Los Angeles. So that mm-hmm. was his connection to it. Yeah. Um, and then somebody else has got a Roy Grounds house in Turek and are yep. looking to do something to it. There's two very different project types, but with that common thing of they were obviously looking for an architect, yep. liked mid-century or had a mid-century house and then yep. found a way to us. Okay, interesting. So because you've mentioned, I even read an interview where you mentioned that how important uh, or, or, or how much you think about the fact that you within the the fairly focused niche that you guys are in, which is kind of new homes and Altson additions and and whatever, within that there is actually quite a variety of the different kinds of projects. You guys just don't do you know uh, extensions in Turak or whatever. It's not like that's right. you're not doing a lot of the same. So I think you're actually quite there's quite a lot of variety in there. And is that something kind of it, do you think that that's kind of a bit of a result about thinking? thinking about how you actually trying to trying to I hate to say involving this this marketing thinking into your design process but <laughs> I'm just going to call it as I hear it <laughs> it, sounds, it sounds like to a certain degree you're going this would be a bit more original a bit more interesting and this will be easier oh, I'll, I'll maybe frame it the best way possible this will make this project easier for certain groups of people to connect with they'll have something that they can connect to and they can sort of translate this into their own world and that's what's going to make the project uh, easier to communicate and communicate more strongly. So, um, so that variety and I guess what that leads to for you is it sounds like not trying to repeat yourself. You're trying to go, okay, something new, something I haven't done before. Is that correct in terms of your thinking there? I mean, I, I guess it's not, yeah, it's understanding they're not coming just because of capital A architecture. Are coming because of a house type you've done before, mm. and so what I'm what I've been doing now is uh, my current thinking is to move away from new houses, alterations, additions, commercial, you know, like just that kind of traditional bracketing, yeah, but to just house types. So houses in the city, houses in the country, houses by the coast. So they that's the kind of the living type. I guess uh, that people would find themselves into projects that we've done in similar contexts. And I think that that's what I'm sort of thinking about is it's really about that context of where the house is rather than if it's adding to or building you or in a subdivision or that, that, that's what people are, are um, thinking about when they start yeah. to plan out their homes. That's how they actually separate themselves out into groups we have this industry structure of we separate you this way but they're going hey i separate around lifestyle or where my project is or what the history of this place is like you mentioning homes that are designed by you know 20th century architects is like a group of people that have a lot in common with each other and they have an interest in your projects they don't see themselves as oh i feel you know i'm just like anybody who needs an extension they have a much more particular thing that they're looking for so you're kind of going okay they're a group of people that's different and is so is this sort of thinking about creating focusing on these different groups is that kind of translating into 
Oh, I mean, you seem to have thought through a lot of this stuff in a fair bit of detail. So is that kind of going into like Instagram stuff or is that going into how you think about media, website? Are you kind of changing yeah. the changing the approach a little bit as far as this stuff goes? Like how does this translate into something that you can then, you know, influence the, the process, I guess? Okay, so what I have been thinking about this so, and where, where I can sort of... So, um, so my thinking has gone, those are the three kind of contexts that people are living in. And I'm trying to find an architect that's worked within that context. Yeah. Right? So they're not coming because of the award or because you've used brick. They're coming because you've designed a house in that context. Mm. So you must have an expertise in that particular context, mm. which we do. You know, like yeah. there's a lot of accumulated knowledge about how to build in the bush or how to build in rural conservation zones or how to build in a farm, how mm. to build down the coast in sand, how to deal with septic systems. Yeah. So appreciating that we do actually have a lot of information and we're actually quite happy to share that information. So we're, we're kind of using that thinking, like sort of um, promoting a bit I guess, you know, how, how you can do a good septic system when you're in sand. Yeah. Like that's not really flashy sort of stuff. But Wait, where really are you doing that? Flashy. You're writing informative blog posts. Where's this been happening? <laughs> <laughs> so it's, there's, in the, there's a couple of essays. We've also got a general essays that we've been working on. So, you know, these things take time, don't you? I'm yeah. not, just not fast no, I, mover on these things. <laughs> I know it. I know it. Absolutely. Um, but I wanted to do it in a generally informative way. And we're not even going to talk about our projects. We're just going to yeah. share the information. So that's, that's been part of the thing. Just, just a role model for us all as far as <laughs> architectural <laughs> content marketing. I can't believe it. you actually do it. <laughs> well, yeah, I guess so, right? You can, I mean, you can plan for it. I think it's the executing that's the hard part. But I think a lot of people, a lot of architects think like, oh, gosh, sitting down writing an essay on this, giving away this information for free. Um, I, I'm always banging on to people about how they should be doing it, but I guess I do have a hard time sometimes connecting it with, you know, how does this, how does this actually, you know, I, I think the model you're talking about, about this is how we actually, there's expertise in this very, in these very specific niches. We need to demonstrate expertise in this area. That's what the client is really going to, the prospective client is really going to pay attention to that's very much going to mean something to them and it's going to influence their decision making that's why it's worth our time because we've we've got the social media audience we've got the awards we've got the publications but that stuff doesn't do x it doesn't do this expertise thing that we need necessarily is that is that correct tell me if i'm wrong <laughs> no no that, that, that that's absolutely right and i think that um you know it's sharing general information i think that in my mind um how the journey goes like so you're a client and you're researching a new country home mm. and you're going to speak to some architects so you come across us and then you see this information it gives you good background information about what you should know and what you should be asking yeah and then you go and chat to a few architects and then you sort of come back to oh well a lot of that information was back on anthony's website and that's quite good <laughs> so you know we've spoken to these other architects now we understand how they work but we're going to go back to to MRTN. That's yep. that's how I sort of imagine it. You kind of you're, you're generous and you share a bit, but mm -hmm. it also demonstrates expertise and and helps people with the questions. And yep. then they also go through that process and they come back better educated. Yeah. Because 
the best clients that we've had have either um, worked with an architect before, gone down a terrible track, say with a design build company or something like that. So they've yeah. had a bad experience, yeah. but become such great clients after that, you know? <laughs> so they actually have, have sort of been involved and educated and know a bit more about things and then come into the process really helps. Um, yeah. that, that's ideal. Not everyone has that. So a big part of our design process is at the beginning, we just go through an extended, let's pull this brief together, let's have a conversation, let's talk about all these assumptions that we will make during the design and, and let you know what they are before we even get into it. Yeah. So that, I like that because it's kind of, I consider that part of the marketing as well. That's just sort of talking about what we do. Yeah. Um, but also it just sort of suspends that active design for as long as possible, which yeah. is always good. Yeah, so you have a lot of initial uh, initial meetings. Have you already, you've already kind of given them a fee proposal at that point, they're signed up, they're working with you, and then there's just a lot of talking and meetings and briefing and picking it all apart. So you do that for a little while before you start kind of being more actively designing. Yeah, we do sort of like these return briefs yeah, you know, in right. a couple of packages, so... I want to go back to the the expertise in the essays because I think this is so interesting. So give, what's an example of one of these essays mm -hmm. that use the word essay, which I think is firstly interesting. Yeah. I'm thinking, what does an essay on septic tanks look like? Yeah. <laughs> That's the yeah. first one I'm imagining. Yeah. Um, do yeah. you Are you thinking about structuring it like, okay, we're going to cover this entire niche or this entire topic, like the ultimate uh, MRTN's ultimate guide to 50s modern extensions? Or is it more like... We're going to be very, very pinpointed on specific uh, elements of that. So when you're doing a 50s extension, this is how you should handle floors. And it's an article on that, right? Or, you know, what, so what, yeah. I, so I know we, you're at the we, planning we, stage, so. <laughs> no, no, we've actually, there's two that have been completed uh, on the website. So we, yeah. we've already done the um, house on the coast yeah. and a house in the country. Yeah. So for example, the house on the coast one, we talk about how, it's, it's a weekend home, like just the nature of using that house in the weekend and extended periods over Christmas. Yeah. Look, of course, people might actually be living down on the coast. They're not going to become excluded from your essay just because you're pitching another kind of thing. Like we sort of yeah. assume some basic intelligence for that. So yeah. it's describing the kind of the, the why you're going to have a place on the coast. And then that kind of like jumping in the car on Friday and leaving everything behind and how you open it up, you know, when yeah. you get there and how you close it down. So that's kind of that that sort of, then that feeds into, you know, big doors that open and lots of storage and where's the surfboards going to go and the different types mm -hmm. of storage. And then it talks, you know, it's like just building that kind of, then we look at the weather where you are, like what's the predominant wind, you know, yeah. uh, probably southwesterly. What do we do about that? How we orientate? All, all those kind of things. So it, it becomes just from a, a, a wider scope of, of project aims down to, hey, you really also need to think about these specific things as well mm. um, and try and give, share a bit of information about that. Septic, wildfire, materials, councils, planning. We, we try and give a bit of information there as well. Is this, uh, well, that sounds really good because it just sounds very um, 
romantic <laughs> in terms of yeah. <laughs> you know really painting it really painting a picture there but then going into those details as well yeah in choosing your in choosing your focus and your subject matter is this is this a strategy that you would adopt for a niche that you were interested in but you maybe hadn't done any projects in because these these essays don't as you mentioned don't discuss your projects directly they're just informative uh and, and they're just giving away information um but would you use it as a tool to expand into a new area uh or would it be something that you do more on your pre-existing areas that you think are the most you know important to the practice no it's it's pre-existing so i think it's yeah. I, i'm kind of using it as a record of things that we've learned along the way yeah as my memory becomes more and more crap, <laughs> yeah, these things are down somewhere. I could refer to them. I can refer back to them. A client asks, should we have nice wide open doors at our coastal house? And you're like, let me just check my documents. <laughs> That's a good idea or not. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah, it's. I think it is uh, putting down things that we've been through no. and, and best experiences. I'll just give you a warning as somebody who has a lot of uh, lengthy articles written up on the internet that they uh, clients have a tendency to use what you've said three years ago in an essay against you when, um, you know, they, they'll, be, they'll be the first to point out the article they read last week, but you wrote three years ago. Um, yeah. if, you're, if you're thinking even changes a little bit over time, it's going to come back and bite you. So just be careful. I know. You might I know have to you, do an annual it. review just to, just to make exactly. sure. Do we just still believe this? You write it and you go, I'm going to keep updating this. And of course, you have to. Yeah, you have sure. to. <laughs> yeah, because it's, it's, it's crazy how fast you're, you're, particularly once you've written it, yeah, and you really start thinking about it and going, oh, yes. I've rethought this entirely just through the process of writing it. And then I start talking to people about it, then it changes again. So you're always going back and you're kind of updating. But I think if I was like to talk to uh, architects about this idea of, okay, you should maybe think about, sharing some of this expertise stuff through essays, for example, their first question would often be, but where do I put it? Where does it go? How do I get it out there? Yeah. You know, so those are the kind of the obvious next steps, but what are your sort of, what are your plans in terms of getting these essays into people's um, hands? Yeah. So uh, multi thought. Um, yeah. So I mean, at the moment, they sort of reside in the website and I'm going to build on that as we develop through. Um, then I was going to do the sort of Instagram story type of thing, but that's pretty easy. Yeah. But I would, I'm actually have been structuring them and writing them with the intent that they could be published somewhere, right? Okay. So there's, I don't know if it's, you know, house, but you know, it could be say, for example, the design files, you know, yeah. might go, you know, it'd be really handy if we actually had a, like a how to guide for how to build in the country. Yeah. And then to be able to publish that. And that's that's why it's sort of very specifically not being just MRTN focused, but very general. Yeah. Um, so that that's the kind of the, the aim for it, that it has a general audience or that kind of, uh, I guess that's sort of assumption of, you know, a lot of this media at the moment is kind of lazy media. You yeah, know, that sure. kind of experience of you're essentially writing project descriptions that yeah. then you know, published in these platforms. Yeah. So instead of having a project description, they're having a, a type description that could yep. just then be taken and used somewhere else. That's interesting. And and, and that kind of, you know, it would find its way back somehow. 
Yeah. Yes. Well, that's a good strategy in terms of getting it out there, that sort of guest publishing or syndicating it or whatever. But uh, it's interesting choosing your publications. You would pick the local project because you like to go with the architecture publications. I would probably suggest Domain or realestate.com.au or one of yeah. these, you know, 5 million visitor a month property websites. But that's not the, that's okay. not the MRT. I actually the, <laughs> the, des the design files is actually what I meant to say. So oh, that, the that's design like files. a really... That's a, we're, we're talking some really big numbers there at that point. So that's so interesting. Yeah. So you might put it out that way and put it out on Instagram and everything. Are you going to keep, so you're going to do SASA. Do you have like a bit of an idea of what your pipeline of uh, upcoming kind of topics would be that are at an early yeah. stage right now of your thinking? Give us, yeah. can we have yeah. like a little bit of a preview of a couple ideas? Uh, so um, one thing we, we, we've got to do uh, suburbs like a new house in the suburbs so it's the 550 square meter block mm. and you know whether it's existing house or not existing house um there's heritage uh considerations we want to make i'm also you know like there's there's kind of passion projects that we've got that i'd like to then write a general essay on so mm. one thing that we do is we talk about i love that kind of sitting down with a new client and they've got their two-year-old and a four-year-old on mm. the ipad mm. and you know, they'll try and talk about what Johnny's going to be doing. I'm like, when these kids, when you, when your children move into this house, you know, yeah. they're going to be seven and nine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Those are different kids. And then they're going to high school. And trust yeah. me, that's a different child. And then your kids can't afford to go flatting uh, when they're at university. They're going to be at home. Yeah. What does that look like? And we yeah. sort of, we actually diagram that pretty early and how we're arranging the planning of the house. So like that that would be quite fun to, to write yeah. a kind of essay on that kind of subject that's, that's really really interesting so that's so cool because um you know i think also putting yourself in the shoes of those prospective clients that are kind of looking at you looking at other architects i already know what the other architects look like their only outlet for, usually their, their main outlet uh, for, I guess, talking about their expertise is their about page, right? Because we're kind of confined to that yeah. page and we get a couple hundred words where we get to describe it, but we have to be hitting alterations, additions, new houses, yeah. the odd cafe, the restaurants. So in the end of the day, we're talking to everybody. We're not really talking to anybody. Um, we just have to have fairly general wishy-washy statements about light and air and livability and whatever, like the same sort of stuff you see everywhere. Um, but what you're doing is thinking about the fact that you can have lots of tiny little micro niche segments within your potential customer base and you can kind of craft a very in-depth experience for each of them individually because you're aware of who they are, you know how they're going to come to your website and you go, okay, I'm not just going to give you the, I don't have to treat you just because you're all here from different groups. I don't have to just give you this one diluted message yeah. for all of you. I can send you down these little rabbit holes and give you some very, very interesting information. So that, I mean, that's just such a good idea of that segmentation and you thinking about those segments. It's really interesting to see how that's working. I'm, I'm also just impressed that you're doing it. Like writing is, is um very time consuming. And I would actually be interested to think about now you've finished two articles and they're up on the blog. How did you do it? <laughs> yeah, okay. Oh, do you have any, I guess, uh, any just advice? To, on... I might just back, back, backtrack yeah. just a little bit. Now, you know, sort of chatting with you and thinking about it, I, I guess the things that we've been sort of, we are most interested about writing uh, down and, and sort of sharing is the things that are not aesthetic things at all, right? So 
It's about not the things you can point to in a glossy photo. So that planning stuff is all sort of sits in the background. So it's that kind of what sits in the background of projects. Like I'd also mm. love to do another project about heat pump technology and mm. you know no gas in our houses and stuff. There's I've yet to get a very sexy photo of the heat pumps we're <laughs> using out the back of our houses. But so you I, have a I lot think, of sexy you know, conversations like a, about heat pumps that are, yeah. that are going. <laughs> That aren't going anywhere. Not, so, as, sec- yeah, not as sexy as my septic system conversations, <laughs> I can assure you. Um, so I think that it's interesting. Maybe that's the kind of the theme of what we're trying to do. Um, so how how did I do it? Um, so I don't consider myself a very strong writer, okay. um, but I do enjoy it. You know, like from time to time, I do I, I do enjoy it. But look, I just did the lazy thing actually. So I. Over a number of weeks, I'd just always have a pad beside me and I would just bullet point things down. And sometimes I would extend it out um, and often not. Then I would just type out those bullet points and arrange them by group. So just cutting and pasting. So I had a general arrangement to them. Mm -hmm. And then I um, paid this really lovely student, Michaela, a contract Mm -hmm. to write it up for me. So right. I outsourced that part so, of it, and she so, did an amazing job. Oh, that's amazing! So, so you did you did the thinking, you did the structuring. Michaela did the the final execution, the expansion of those oh. those bullet points. And so, how did you work with Michaela in terms of? Uh, were you, you know, a lot of architects can be quite can have quite perfectionist. Some might say micromanagey tendencies when it comes to yeah, yeah, you know exactly. de- delegating certain things to other people and a general distrust of others to be able to do things to the level that they believe they can. So there's yeah. often, particularly with writing, um, uh, there's this sense there can be sometimes a concern of like, oh, well, you know, are they really gonna understand our thinking? You know, our thinking is so um, it's yeah. so personal, it's so coming from us. How's somebody else gonna possibly? So anyway, how did you? How did you kind of navigate that? It was funny. So when I got my first draft back, I opened it up and I was like, this is just, this is basically what I've sent to Michaela. It's just reformatted. (laughs) I didn't realize she'd actually just, she started with the bit that I'd sent her and the essay was further down. And then she actually, I mean, I guess uh, the way that I did handle it was we, she came into the office a couple of times. We had a good chat about it. We had a really good, phone call and talked about what we were trying to achieve and had quite a bit of conversation about the the voice to use Mm. that was like Mm. she she didn't have architecture experience so she wasn't going to intuitively be able to um, elaborate on the concepts that we were talking about but we were able to talk about the voice that I was hoping to to come across and she was very good at at, at, um, tuning into that um, so when she returned it, she, she added quite a bit to it. She really took it on as a writing project, which yeah. I was really impressed by. But I think that my touchstone, however, is that I will always put those bits of writing, um, give them to my wife to read, who's a lawyer, right? She's got nothing yeah. to do with architecture. Like, no, nothing. You know, like she's actively involved in my life. But yeah. Yeah. She, she does have that, that radar and that detector of, no, this is just archi-speak. This is, yeah. this is meaningless. Um, it's just, you know, especially a lawyer, they're quite good on their plain speaking. So that I rely on her more for my final edits than I do myself, if you like. Yeah. Because also she's going to let me know if the ideas and concepts are coming across or not. So yeah. 
I guess my, my tips would be give it to somebody else to write, somebody else to edit. Did, <laughs> Minimize did you, involvement. No, that's really good. So did you and Michaela I uploaded up... it to the website. <laughs> yeah, you did that bit and, and took the credit. <laughs> that's yeah, the fun exactly. part as well. <laughs> um, so when, when you and Michaela ended up finally getting comfortable after your discussion about kind of the tone of voice, was there any sort of simple mm. way that you ended up encapsulating it or was it just a general... We're, we're, we're on the same page. It's unspoken, but we both kind of get it. Or did you guys have like an actual system uh, or process? I think that, you know, there was, a, there was an, an intermediate edit where you just have to be, you know, you have to be respectful of people's um, feelings, obviously, but also you have to go, you know, this, this is probably a bit too much. Like we need yeah. to tone this down. And yeah. That was, you know, like a reasonable conversation to have. Um, yeah. But it was... Um, no, it was a really satisfying way to do it. I mean, it's that thing too. It's like photography. When you get a project photographed, to actually put my thoughts into a bullet point form and then someone return it to me as a composed essay was, uh, was a nice experience. So, so, yeah, no, I can imagine. So what were those, what sort of things ended up coming down on the page in your bullet points as you were kind of going with things? Because you've obviously taken on a pretty, pretty big topic. So you've gone living mm. on the coast for example are you then do your bullet points start start at that top level like you know um connection to nature what you're going to be doing during the day like are you just starting at that kind of top right. level then within that you're then bullet pointing inside of that Correct. as well okay that, that's so starting with that yes what is a what is a country house what does it mean to live in the country what you yeah. know that connection to landscape I talk yeah. about. then it's like how do you use a country house and then it goes into, put it into the mudroom and then it's the environment and the climate and that kind of yeah. thing and down into those details as you get into it. Oh, and, then, exactly, and then something nice yeah. to conclude. Yeah. And that's exactly how um, I write stuff as well because I hate the thought of going, oh, my goal is to write about 3,000 words on this topic. How the hell am I going to do that? But when you when you break it down into much more manageable chunks... You go, oh, I can mm. write, I can write seventy-five words about <laughs> yeah. materials. Like, come on, exactly. I could write a thousand words about materials. So, so you start to look at all those dot points, and you go, oh, cool, I could, I can actually deal with each of them. But then, often, you know, you can have a great outline, but then you go, oh, but God, it's going to take me time to write this. And that's where yeah. kind of having that assistance helped as well. I think a lot of people, when they ask me about where do I get a copywriter from, they're like, oh, well, it needs to be. Do you know any good architecture writers or whatever? But it doesn't really need to be that. When when I've worked with writing people, they haven't been architects, oh. but and so you found that that was absolutely fine. Like no no major issues there, right? You don't need like a somebody who's marketing themselves as I'm an architecture writer. No, yeah. I mean I'd be probably not wary of that, but you, you, no, it was not not necessary at all. I, I think that uh, again, just as I'm sort of thinking here, I, I think that it builds on experience actually of having given project presentations over a number of years now, yeah. right? So that's where my writing experience mm. comes through. And, you know, I'm constantly surprised at how, to be honest, how badly a, a lot of other architects do this. You know, mm. when, they, when they come in and you're presenting a project, how do you present a project? And, and it's not that, you know, this is the front door where we walk down the hallway. It's, just, it's, it's, not, it's not engaging to listen to, and it's not mm. a great way to, present a project mm. so it's a bit cliched well, i think it's cliched 
there's that sort of narrative aspect. You know, everything should have a narrative. People are after stories and relate to stories. And that's how we put together our projects. And that's how we get people, you know, paying attention in, in uh, the talks that we give and presentations that we give. So I think that that then comes into, okay, so if we're going to be quite a sort of generic essay about the subject, let's create a bit of a narrative. Let's, let's make a bit of a magazine article to it. I mean, I think I've, I've been a long subscriber to the New Yorker and that's like <laughs> my, 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 you know, like yeah. I'm just going to retire when I get the New Yorker profile. For me, that is the zenith of achievement. But, uh, yeah. That's but cool. you look at that writing, there is a style to that writing. There's a very, there's a pattern to it and, and there's a way that it's yeah. done and it's not complicated. Yeah, well, that's a good, that would be a good actual, um, you know, if people if people aren't sort of regularly reading the New Yorker, now they can go and kind of look at those articles and get how do you how do you make in, how do you make things into an interesting story? And I think when you're yeah. when you're looking at a, a real project or doing a project writing that involves a real client, your story has a hero, right? It has this it has this main character, this protagonist, and this is their house, and it's it's kind of mm. thinking about it. And again, in that Anthony Richardson interview, he also was talking about that that sort of stuff as well. So it's a bit of a it's an ongoing theme now we're kind of talking about the storytelling thing because it is quite hard to unpack like what is storytelling when you actually try and do it um how do you do that in an essay where you're talking about a topic um you're trying to give some you're, you're trying to make it informative so that it can be used as a sort of a reference thing that people can look at it and they can learn from it and kind of be educated by it but you don't have a real person what are some of the strategies that you guys found work in terms of getting it to feel like it has a story it's it's a narrative yeah so i think that what i do what i when i'm trying to get that part of it right i imagine i'm sitting you know in the meeting room behind me with the person that's come you know said we've just bought a property out of Kyneton and we want to build a country house and I have them in the office and I'm, I'm giving the sales talk, you know, and, and, and it's not, you should come to us because of X, Y, and Z, and we've done all this great work. You, like, that's not the conversation we have with potential clients when we come in. We get them in and we, we talk about the process and the things to look out for and providing that expertise. I think that's probably where the project was born from was just putting down on paper a lot of those conversations that we have uh, with new clients. And and that, if, you, if you've got that connection between, because the other thing that, that that's happening in that meeting, that it is that sales pitch, but as far as your sales pitch goes, I imagine that it's basically just about building rapport, right? And chemistry and connecting mm. with the person who's sitting across from you, because you've got that opportunity to build that sense of trust. And, and, and so that, that also putting kind of getting them to open up a little bit, imagining their situation, all that kind of thing. So you're just trying to, does that help then when you're writing, doing writing to actually think, well, there's a reader here and whether they're sitting there on their device or they're on their computer or they're sitting in my conference room, um, it, it, there's sort of some equivalence between those different modes of communication, right? So you're, you're, not, you're not adopting yeah. this kind of, well, I have to write essays in a certain there's no real, yeah. there's no individual anymore. I write essays in this very broadcasty kind of way. You're thinking, okay, I'm speaking to a person here. That's right. And I guess that it's, I can imagine some people would fall into the trap of thinking, oh, if I'm going to give them this information, like I have to make sure it's absolutely correct. And, you know, like 
with the footnotes and the references and all that. I, the, the point of it is, is to provide a little bit of information, but you need more, right? Yeah. So it's, it's, it's enough to know, to start asking the right questions. Yeah. And, and that's what it's about. So, and it's the same in the, in that kind of initial sort of meeting is that you're having these conversations and you're, all you're sort of talking about is these things that we are going to be looking into in a lot of detail together once we actually start working together. So in those meetings, I will say, we have a general chat about the conversation, but I say, <clears throat> I'm not taking any notes. I'm not going to write down what your needs are at this stage because that's going to come later. And I also say I'm not really going to run through completed projects of ours because you can have a look on the website and, and see what those are. What we're going to do is we're just going to talk about how we would work together and show some examples of that, that working together. Wow! And how? I think that's what. How, how much what content do you have? To. How much content do you have on that topic? Do you have like a solid ten minutes of of yeah, uh, you know? <laughs> That's, uh, so <clears throat> we, um, about that process or? Yeah, in terms of, you know, if you're just going to have a, a conversation, an initial conversation just devoted to, here's how we're going to work together. We're not going to yeah. talk about what you need yet. We're not going to talk about what we do. We're not going to talk about our projects, all this other stuff that's later. Right mm. now, it's just going to be process, just this this working mm. relationship between the two of us. Um, that's, that's pretty, you it suggests that you must have kind of meticulously thought through that process aspect of things to be able to say that much about it, right? Yeah. So I want to, wherever possible, de-stress the situation, yep. I guess just for myself and for them as well, right? And, and any time that like a client is like, okay, what things do I need to think about? What's my attitude towards light and dark and materials? You know, that becomes a charged situation and becomes... Um, quite difficult if those people haven't really thought through those things mm. or to the detail that you might. So we just sort of say, we'll just do that. We'll do that together. You know, like just give me a, we'll just chat about your place. And because I'm not taking notes, it's all very sort of informal, yeah. but obviously very helpful at that stage. Yeah. Um, and then also from us, I can literally say, you can see the finished projects. You can look at the photos and, you know, it's a shame you can't visit them, but yep. you're probably interested in how we got to that point. Yeah. And, and so we'll run through, I just got a bunch of different examples of how we look at res code, how we look at heritage overlays, how we discern a budget. Um, just these kind of things that putting it together, how big is a house, what's a bedroom, all, all these kind of things. So just uh, conversation points that we can then build together the information. Wow. And so now you've, you've gone, okay, well, this approach is very, has worked very, very well. And now we're adapting it into, we're sort of scaling it and making it, um, we're, we're sort of taking something that happens organically, one-on-one, -on -one, it's very labor intensive and going, we could actually create kind of a carbon copy of this that sits on our website or something like this emulates this. Um, and that can be doing that at 12 o'clock on a Friday night while someone's yeah. sitting on their couch, just come from Instagram. They can be experiencing some of that content while you're, you know, yeah. relaxing, taking it easy. Yeah, <laughs> that's it. 
Are you afraid that somebody's going to read your essays, then come into the office and you're going to start the pitch and they're going to be like, no, no, I heard it before. (laughs) We know this already. Skip this one. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. That's so so interesting. Well, oh, that was it. Was it a, I'm not going to ask about like Michaela's hourly rates, but was it, um, you, you're looking down the barrel of, okay, we're going to be creating some long form content. These aren't 200 word, you know, blog posts. These are, these are things that are going to be putting quite a lot of work into. They're going to be evergreen to use a bit more jargon. Like they're not going to be something that's relevant for four weeks and then disappears off the face of the earth. It's like, we're going to be using these as part of our communication and marketing material for two, three, four, five years. So it, it, it merits like a bit of investment of time and money. Was it, you know, was it a, is it a big project for you to embark on working on these essays or is it, you know, something that it, you found a way can be, that it can be quite manageable? Well, the, the honest answer, um, I think is that, like, I know that I have to redo the website and a lot of, yeah. you know, that this, this is a big project that's kind of weighing on my mind. Yeah. So I was, and I know there's a lot of, content that needs to be created and edited and conversation that needs to be had around that which is kind of i find do find slightly overwhelming mm. so it was really about chipping away at that task yep. before it comes up because it's a lovely idea to have and then to try and do it at the same time you're creating a new website or brand and identity i think it would be too much so it's just about um putting in the vault some things yeah. that are going to become more for four later on. Yeah. Um, and that's so that not, not, and you know, like that I'm saying, not everything has to be fresh. Like not everything has to come out at the same time. Yeah. It can sort of be eked out as, as it comes available. Yeah. So you're kind of starting on some of the more difficult or, or, or time intensive parts of that overall sort of rebranding project that's as well. And so you were, you were mentioning to me earlier that um, it started off with going, Hey, maybe we could sort of, refresh our website a little bit or something it started off fairly innocent your kind of marketing (laughs) refresh and now it started to scope creep out into your thinking about the name you're thinking about the branding what are you doing almost a complete embarking on a kind of complete overhaul at this point or what's the what's the plan with sort of this year and 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 sort of rebranding i'm i'm dipping my toe into that whether about whether we're going to do that yeah. Um, I think that just it's that you know loose thread on the sweater you know when you start yeah. to feel it then everything sort of unravels yeah. um, so you know like it's it's been 10 years so things could change and be refreshed and you know like even with yourself I've done like mm. a few of the website reviews and mm. just tweaks things as I've gone along yeah. um, which has been really really helpful yeah. but and I, I think it's uh, again, not to use that term hobby because I don't, you know, actually it's mm. not a hobby. It's it's a passion thing that we spend a lot of time in, and it's you know when we travel we go visit buildings, right? And yeah. when we do the photo shoot, it's interesting because we're doing the photos. And when we yeah. do the website and the branding stuff, it's because we're, we're quite sort of connected to that as a yeah. design exercise as well. And I'm quite excited about working yeah. with somebody else and the thinking yeah. they'd bring into it. It's not, yeah. it's actually, it's not just so that people, you know, Tom and Sally on the couch find their way to us. It's for that part of it as well. Yeah. Not yeah, that so I'm 
I'm conscious of not making out a website for architects by a day. But... Well, you're making it for yourself, I think. So inadvertently, yeah. you kind of are making it for architects. <laughs> you're going, I'm, I'm going to find a designer that I'm a particular really... architect. Yeah, yeah. You're, you're going to find a designer that's probably going to quote you $75,000 to redo your website, but you're going to be like, I don't care. I love their work. I'm going to, even if we, even if we have to do it. <laughs> five hours a month for 10 years just chipping away at it we'll get it done eventually um no but that's like a really interesting way to look at it it's it it i think the reason you know i wanted to have a chat to you is in general was that i do find it i find it uh your you seem to have a very positive attitude towards um market marketing communication sharing your work online you you're not you don't begrudge it and you don't go oh this is all this is a waste of time for me or I, I, my, I'm more important. I should be doing better things. You know, you, you, you're quite personally invested in, and I sort of look at it and go, well, that's what makes it quite effective. You know, it's effective because you feel like Anthony gives a shit. <laughs> Anthony gives a shit. Sorry. That you're, that, that you're kind of there, you're president and you care about it. And is that, is that something that you've thought about? Like in terms of, you know, are there days where you sometimes go, yeah, can I, I don't know if I can be bothered with this. I've got enough on my plate. <laughs> Or do you kind of look at this stuff and go, hey, this is the part of running a business that I enjoy and it, it's a bit of a treat to do some of these things. There's probably some gray area in the middle, but... <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's, it, 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 I'm not too analytical about it. Yeah. I do like some personality to come through in it. Um, but then I'm also cognizant of advice about how to do it and how to do it better. Mm. Um so, yeah, it's, no, there's no real, no real methodology apart from uh, trying to put something up every few days. Uh, that, yeah. That's, uh, I mean, like, I, I enjoy the interface. Uh, like, I enjoy the the medium of, of Instagram, which is really yeah. the only one we sort of use. Yeah. And the, that sort of seeing other people's work and getting response back to yours it's it's not enjoyable and i mean like i think that as architects we are really visual like i know that pretty shocking at remembering names but very good at sort of remembering a project that had this aspect or that one and going back to it yeah i think that's that kind of visual library that we're all building together as architects what given that instagram is such a big part of your um, your online presence um, has your has your point of view on Instagram or your enjoyment of Instagram changed over time? Are you at a are you at a happy place with Instagram at the moment? Are you are you kind of down in the dumps about it a little bit? Like where are you sort of? Because <laughs> I know people's uh <laughs> people's feelings towards it as a marketing platform or even just a place to share your work and and have an audience um, can be very yeah very unpredictable sometimes so i think, do you that, think um like I, I say when i think when we my um my thinking when we're, i'm using it is i'm really chatting to a, a group of friends that are architects yeah but i'm highly aware that we're we're now getting clients and potential clients just following along for a while you know mm. and, and playing off playing along yeah and and i really like that that i really i really like that when when we're having these meetings and um, how did you hear about us and I'm like well we've been following on instagram for a while yeah. so i know you know they know 
they know where I've been on a holiday recently. Yeah. They know the few projects that we've got and awards. It's kind of like they're coming and we've, we've been kind of little friends for a while. Yeah. <laughs> we're going to become you, bigger friends. Are you, are you a big stories guy? You know, no. Are you, no. no. Okay. So you I, find? Yeah, do you probably, find that that personal? You're telling me I should be, Dave. Oh, I'm not telling you anything. I you, I'm not going to tell you. I'm not going to tell you how to use Instagram, Mister Fifteen Thousand Followers. You, you, you can come on here and tell us how to do it. Um, but uh, so, so people still feel like they're personally connected with you. But I look down your feed, and it's kind of oh, I don't see a lot of you in there. But that must right. be where you must make it up in the captions, right? You speak from the heart. Yeah. Is that it? Yep. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and so that's how they yeah, feel totally. like they're fol- they're not just following a a portfolio that's getting you know that's getting pushed out in the Instagram feed. They're going, oh, you know, Andy's a real guy. Um, this is a you know, I'm following a person here who has a life like me or like one of my friends. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so you, well, then that's yeah. what we're trying to work out. You can also just not beating yourself up about it though. You know, like when you can mm. add an interesting, informative caption, do, but you're not going to every time. So mm. then you put some eye candy up. It's... Yeah, what's your what is your absolute minimum viable caption look like? What is your what is your what is your laziest? It's four four forty five yeah, like on Friday I mean, afternoon, and you're going, oh shit, I haven't posted this week. Got to put something up. Name of what, name that... of the project. Build a photographer out. <laughs> and that's it. You go. Oh, I'll, I'll get him again on Monday. <laughs> I did try cool. for a while. I was doing that. Uh, I think it was on your recommendation as well later oh. you know like the scheduling yeah, yeah. post yeah 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 which was good for a while but i've stopped doing that i'm just, you just found it easier myself. to just do it directly why yeah. is that out of curiosity because usually people find um well actually i'll say quite often the people that find later are a bit of a revolution are the people that were never posting on their own in the first place and it's a big it's a, it's uh-huh. a big step up from oh, i just don't have the time to or I, I can't sit down and get some posts posted. So I'm never posting. I, I, three weeks goes by and I realize oh, I haven't posted in three weeks. So there's a lot of architects that are in that camp. And then later comes along, they can sit down and focus for an hour or two and they'll mm. schedule up posts for like three months. So that's a big benefit to them. But you were already very consistent and posting anyway. So yeah. you, just, you just came onto later and you were like, oh, you know, it's not, it's not really doing anything that, yeah. Yeah. I don't know if you perceive this, but I, like I, I sort of go off accounts where I can tell that somebody else is doing it, or it's just been programmed. Don't say you know? that. Like, mate. Like, you're sort of. Oh. <laughs> Bloody pay the rent say? on managing Instagram accounts, Andy. <laughs> you should be telling me what great accounts Sorry. they are. Those are my favourites. <laughs> the ones that are on robot. Yeah, yeah, the ones, account. the ones that you're running are the best ones. But, but aside <laughs> yeah. from those ones, they're just awful. Yeah. No, no, fair enough. I, I'm with you. Um, yeah, no, I, I, I'm just kidding. I, I agree absolutely with what with what you mean about that so so you just what is it about is it just the fact that you're you're going where's where's the person here is that what's kind of missing you're just yeah going i think like, what it is yeah. i think it's like i guess i know for myself i'm sitting here thinking about a project or thinking about a photo and i'm like oh i should share that or yeah you know i'm thinking about a particular like entries or something like that so i will put one up on it so i know that it's kind of like a connection to what i'm doing at the time and it sounded it sounds like touchy feely. <laughs> no. It's uh, something I'm thinking about or, or or liking, and then I I share it. 
Um, mm. And when you get those posts that it's just like, well, it's a Wednesday, so we do the exterior shot, it comes yeah. through. And I think that the tone of the accounts changes. Yeah, no, that's interesting. And do you, do you feel, um, do you feel like Instagram as a portion of, I suppose, where your new business comes from? Do you think it's, it's, it, it, it's a meaningful portion of where, where you sort of see your clients coming from these days? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Was there like yeah, a, was know. there a turning point or any point where that started to really come into effect? Was there like three years at the beginning on Instagram where you're like, oh, this is rubbish. This isn't doing anything. I'm just doing this for my own entertainment. And then was there a point where it started to become like, oh, wait a minute, we're actually getting people that only know us from Instagram. Um, or, or has it just been a gradual kind of journey over time? I mean, I, I got pretty excited really early on. We had our double monk shoe project and put a photo of that yeah. up before it was photographed and Artichoke magazine contacted us right away to publish. That mm. was like, okay. I'm getting this now. Um, but in terms of people um, following and then coming around to that, now we're ready to do a project thing, it's actually pretty recent. Like I yeah. would say even last two years, 18 months kind of thing, yeah. actually. So, I mean, you know, it's that kind of, you know, Ray from Archibus talks about this, you know, that kind of that curve of people of, you know, mo most people don't want to do a project, they're not interested in it. Yep. There's a big bunch of people that at some point in the future want to do something and yep. then a smaller percentage of people that are ready to do it. And you're trying to get those people that are thinking about it at some point in the future to come to you when they're like, yes, we're ready to do it. Yep. And I think that that's that, uh, who I am thinking about when yep. in Instagram. You're playing the long game. Yeah, exactly. You're, you're, yeah. Not, you're not thinking specific. Along. Yeah, you're, you're not going, okay, I'm looking for the people that are right now sitting down, very first time finding an architect. You're going, no, that's 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 chump's game. You got to, you've got to work, and that's too small a group of people anyway to begin with. You've got to work mm -hmm. with a larger, the the sort of the all the people in the next over the next two years, three years that are going to embark upon doing a project. They're the ones that I can be speaking to right now. If I'm if you're patient, right, and you're you're kind of putting out good content. It's very, it's That's very it. different. It's very different content for that audience as though for that audience as well, isn't it? Because the, the idea of them doing their own project hasn't even really occurred to them yet. They're, 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 you know, they're going to do it at some point in the future, but they're just kind of, yeah, they're just kind of bumbling along sort of interested in architecture. Right. And I guess that is where the Instagram account comes in quite well for you because it's just, they can just kind of voyeuristically just sort of look at your work and, you know, yeah, not, but I think too that serious. I, 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 I sort of good. Um, I don't think they are bumping along actually. So I, I think that you know, like if you if you've bought a, a recent new subdivision outside of Trentham, that's the fat piece of grass. Yep. You, you've been thinking about that lifestyle change. You've been thinking about yep. what you might be doing in a few years' time, and, and then you're starting to think about, well, if I was to do that, what would my house be like? So I think there's actually some quite specific thinking that goes into that point where I'm now ready to consider a project. Yeah. And, and I think, yeah, that's, that's what I believe. Can I also just add that I agree with you <laughs> in that I, okay. think people, I think people do. Um, I think there's that kind of characterization, right? That, that this stuff happens very, uh, or, or somebody, somebody goes looking for, you know, somebody goes looking for an architect the way, 
I decide, you know, I'm going to go looking for a new desk, right? When my desk breaks, like there's this yeah. sort of, oh, it just happened right away. There's not a lot of forethought that's gone into it. But but what you've mentioned a few times throughout this conversation is that you sort of see this very long journey that a lot of these clients are going on and that, that yeah. eventually kind of brings them to you. But but that starts much, much longer than, the, I don't, I don't hear a many other architects thinking about it this way that this one, two, three years out, somebody, the belief that somebody's actually, you know, starting to really seriously contemplate this, these issues of what they want and where they're going to live and what kind of house they would like and all that sort of stuff. So that's interesting that that's yeah. sort of at the base of what you're thinking and informing your strategies. I think my, Headphones have done the bit of thing. Oh gonna... no, we've lost AirPod batteries. Oh no, I saw No, it seemed to be all right. Are you um, back? We're back. Yeah, just make sure you can hear me. <laughs> That's always okay. a good time to get um, you know to wrap um, it up soon. But yeah, go on. <laughs> no, no, so um, I think that also part that that thinking also has to be in a scenario where <clears throat> oh, we're going to buy a place outside of Trent. Just use that example again. We're now living in Brighton and we'll, we'll watch along, right? But not to say someone's going to pivot and go, no, no, we've decided we'll do the extension on Brighton anyway. They're, mm. they're still sort of engaged and they're still sort of thinking about you. Um, so that there's no sort of lost direction on that kind of that thinking about it. Yeah, right. Okay, so even if they do end up change, even if they're, their decision-making isn't completely, they're not completely locked in. They're still a little bit unsure about what they're going to do. They've got room to kind of yeah. go in a few different directions, but you don't care. You're still there communicating with them. You you see the value in a client that, that is still a, in that very initial research and, and developing their interest phase, right? Yeah. That's interesting. Yeah, engaged enough. That's good. Well, I think that's such a good, you know, I think what's so interesting is just the way that the way you think so much about clients uh, and, 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 and their state of mind. I, I, I get that strongly from you in a way that I don't, that connecting with them, identifying with them, thinking, you know, what are they going through? What are they looking for? Sometimes, you know, architects, when we're trying to process what are these clients looking for, all that we can kind of connect to is, well, sometimes people mention that they worked with a builder or they worked with an architect and they didn't really listen to them. So what clients really want is to be listened to, right? And there's always, it's always just as we, we might just grab onto this one little thing, but you're kind of thinking big picture going, no, I've got this much bigger theory about the kind of journey that these mm. clients are going on. That's so interesting. I'm impressed. I'm really into mm. it. Yeah. <laughs> is that, I think that could that's be. That's well put. I think that's actually really, that, that's absolutely right. So that's. But, and that's, you know, the way that I like to think how we engage with clients. And that's definitely how I instruct the team here about how we we communicate with clients. So we're, we're a service industry. So I'm very much, we are service, they are clients. Um, yeah. We have to make them happy and, and manage expectations and, and keep them informed. So that's central to, to what we do. Anthony, thank you very much. It was awesome speaking to you. Now, do you want no, to do you want to promote? Where should people come and? Yeah, I mean your Instagram <laughs> account. Obviously, mm -hmm. they should come to your blog and read your essays. Can they? Or do you want them to wait until you've got a new website before they come there and start? No, reading they're all on there. They can they can find <laughs> the essays on the website. That's uh, they're in there. Um, there's a few about sort of sustainable ESD design and yep. coastal design and 
country, hopefully city soon. So there'll be some more coming up. Um, well, thank you very much. <laughs> we lost we lost the AirPods. That's perfect timing. Thank you so much, Anthony. And um, yeah, uh, it, I hope to have you on again sometime in the future. <laughs> perfect ending. <laughs> That was Anthony Martin from MRTN Architects just before his AirPods died. If you want to see more of his work, you can go to MRTN underscore architects on Instagram. You can also go to MRTN.com.au and have a look at those essays that we were discussing during our conversation. And if you want to see more conversations like this with architects, architecture marketing people, communications experts, and so on, then make sure you're subscribed to this podcast. Leave a nice five-star review as well. I really appreciate it. It helps people to find this podcast. And if you want to learn more about me, go to vanityprojects.com where you can see what I'm doing, uh, my consulting work, and you can read my blog. There's lots of really good articles and resources for architects to improve their marketing. So head to vanityprojects.com. But in the meantime, uh, have a great couple of weeks and I'll speak to you again soon.